today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. I feel the greatest direction that Peter is writing here are words that simply call us, you and I, today to an outrageous trust in the sovereign power of Almighty God. That God is sovereign. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. He knows exactly the things that you're going through. He knows exactly the attacks of the enemy in your life. Whatever that enemy may be. Whether it be an external physical enemy or whether it be an internal emotional and mental enemy that's coming against you. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed that God the Father would choose to redeem mankind in another way. A way that did not include the cross. However, ultimately Jesus prayed for and submitted to his Father's will. In today's message, Pastor David challenges us to radically trust God in every circumstance, just as Jesus did. Christ was able to submit to his Father because he trusted that what men meant for harm, God would use for good. We too can trust that the Lord will do the same in our lives. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message, The Submitted Life, from the book of 1 Peter, chapter 2. I was raised in the generation that uh, when you got out of line, you got whacked. They hadn't even invented the naughty step at that point in time, okay? You didn't know what a naughty step was. We got whoopings for it. Most of the time, my brothers got whoopings because they deserved it. (laughs) Somehow I got caught up in it. But uh, he says, what credit is it if you're beaten for your faults? Paul, are you condoning? beating slaves? No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying that our hearts, our lives have to be lived so much above our circumstances that we need to be so literally heavenly or kingdom minded that in the midst of the circumstances that we're in, we can still be submitted to the reality of the sovereignty of God that God is in charge. Persecutions for believers have it's been a reality since the very birth of the church, and it even continues today. And some of that persecution is, is just very slight. It's, it's relatively easy to be able to bear it, while other persecution becomes literally life-threatening. Beloved, persecution is real. Peter said, make sure, though, that the persecution is because of your faith in Christ and not because of your own foolishness or your own sinfulness. Peter ties in this whole idea of suffering for our faith as he continues on in verse 21. In verse 21, he says, "For now catch this. He's tying in suffering even when you're doing the right thing. 
He's tying this in right now in verse 21. He says, for this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes we are healed. For we were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. Did you catch that first part? That Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. We're going to look a little bit more into the sufferings of Christ in a moment, but for right now, I want to direct your attention to this phrase, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Again, in that whole thought, that idea of the suffering, the whole idea of submission, the whole idea of kingdom living, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. Some of you may own one right now. You may even have it with you, but I'm sure most all of you have seen uh, the little, like the little bracelets, WWJD. Maybe you have a little plaque, WWJD, or a bumper sticker or a pin. What would Jesus do? It was a big move uh, just a few years ago. You, just about everywhere that you looked, you would see these uh, T-shirts, bumper stickers, every every way possible. But that slogan or, or some form of it actually has been around for for centuries. But it did gain some some big popularity actually in the late 1800s with a book that was published in 1897, written by a man by the name of Charles Sheldon. Charles Sheldon authored a book that the short title of it was In His Steps. The long title of it was In His Steps, What Would Jesus Do? Now, it was a fictional book about Pastor Henry Maxwell and the congregation of the First Christian Church of Raymond, wherever Raymond was. And as the story goes, in essence, I won't give you the whole layout of the book, but just a little bit of understanding. On one particular Sunday morning, Pastor Maxwell was actually teaching through this portion of Scripture in First Peter chapter 2, verse 21. For this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. And as he finished the message before he dismissed the congregation. A man stood in the back of the congregation and got the attention of the pastor and the congregation. Excuse me, excuse me a moment. And as he's walking toward the front, he says in a very kind, very gentle way, can, can I just share something for a moment? And as the congregation looked at this man, it became fairly clear that he was a man that was most likely homeless. As a matter of fact, the story goes that he had talked to several members of that congregation the previous week and looking for a job because he had been jobless for a long time and had lost his wife and several different things that had taken place. And as he came toward the front of the congregation, he began to speak to the congregation. And he said, again, very kindly, very graciously, he asked them what it means to Christians when they sing the words of one of the hymns that morning. Jesus, 
I my cross have taken all to leave and follow thee. And he went on to say, I heard some people singing at a church prayer meeting the other night. All for Jesus, all for Jesus, all my beings ransomed powers, all my thoughts, all my doings, all my days and all my hours. And then he said, I kept wondering as I sat on the steps outside just what they meant by it. It seemed to me there's an awful lot of trouble in the world that somehow wouldn't exist if all the people who sing such songs went and lived them out. I suppose I don't understand. But what would Jesus do? Is that what you mean by following his steps? Following just these few short words, this nameless man collapsed there at the front of the church and Within a week, he passed away. Actually, early the next Sunday morning, he had passed away. When Pastor Maxwell came to preach that next Sunday, there was a noticeable difference about everything in, in his life. And even his preaching, they, they, they saw there was, there was a grand difference to it. In portion of his preaching, as he got into it, he closed his Bible and he spoke to the congregation just really directly from his heart. And he said, this morning, I, w- I want to challenge you as the congregation of First Church of Raymond, considering the impact of what took place last week. I want to challenge you to pledge yourselves earnestly and honestly for an entire year not to do anything without first asking the question, what would Jesus do? And after asking that question, Each one will follow Jesus as exactly as he knows how, no matter what the result may be. Our motto will be, what would Jesus do? Our aim will be to act just as he would if he was in our places, regardless of immediate results. In other words, we propose to follow Jesus' steps as closely and as literally as we believe he taught his disciples to do. And he asked for those that would volunteer to do that to meet him there in the auditorium following the services after they dismissed. The balance of the the book in his steps, What Would Jesus Do?, speaks about the details of the events of the lives, not only of Pastor Maxwell, but the people within the congregation that took that challenge, that volunteered to take the challenge. Now, I share all that with you today to get you thinking, not, not so much about the challenge that Pastor Maxwell made, but to actually think about this passage in 1 Peter 2.21, Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. What does that really mean, church? Is WWJD, what would Jesus do? Is it more than a slogan? Is it more than some trendy little catchphrase? Peter pretty clearly connects this whole idea of Christ's sufferings, of Christ as an example, and the last portion, this next verse, where he says that we should follow his steps. In verse 22, he says, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. That comes from Isaiah 53, verse 9. 
Then Peter goes on to speak of the very attitude of Christ in the midst of persecution, in the midst of sufferings, in the midst of things going on in his life that he would not choose to do, but because of his obedience to God the Father. He found himself in. Verse 23 says that who, when he, speaking of Christ, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. From that statement and a multitude of others that we can find all throughout Scripture, even the teachings of Jesus himself, when Jesus makes such declarations of, you need to turn the other cheek. You need to bless those who curse you. You need to love your enemies and do good to them. Jesus himself saying, blessed are the peacemakers. It'd be very easy to take all of these verses together, pull them together, and you could build a very good argument for Christian pacifism. That idea of passive resistance, even the belief that violence of, of any kind is unjustifiable. And even to the point some take it of not even participating in war. But that's not where we're going this morning. That's not where we're at. And I don't want you to get pulled into that because actually when we go there, I believe that we're actually being pulled further and further from the very idea and the direction, the overall purpose of what Peter is writing to the church here. I feel the greatest direction that Peter is writing here are words that simply call us, you and I, today to an outrageous trust in the sovereign power of Almighty God. That God is sovereign. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. He knows exactly the things that you're going through. He knows exactly the attacks of the enemy in your life, whatever that enemy may be, whether it be an external physical enemy or whether it be an internal emotional and mental enemy that's coming against you. Peter declares how Jesus committed himself to him who judges righteously. Jesus knew that all of his life, even his death, was in the hands of the Father. Every aspect of it. Jesus knew that he could trust all that he was into the hands of the Father. That's why Jesus himself was able to fully and faithfully submit to the will of the Father in giving his life for the sin of the world. If, if you remember, as we read the Gospels and we read the account of Jesus there in the Garden of Gethsemane, man, it's got to be so clear to you. And if it's not, go back and read it again and read it with the understanding of, yes, Jesus was 100% God, but he was also 100% human. And as he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, just prior to his arrest, trial, and crucifixion, he was crying out to the Father. Father, I don't want to do this. There's some other way. It's a, isn't, there, isn't there another path that, that we could take on this? Would you take this cup from me? But you can't stop there because then he says, Nevertheless, your will be done. Your will be done. Beloved, it's not a bad thing for you and I to cry out to God 
and say, God, our situation right now stinks. It's painful. It's hurtful. Lord, Lord, we're, we're being torn apart right now. But Father, if I'm in this place right now to bring you greater glory, then I not only submit to you, but I submit to the situation that I'm in. Because I know that you're in charge. Because I have this radical understanding that you are sovereign over all of your universe, over every one of your creatures. And I submit myself to you. Yeah, even in this situation, Lord, if there's another way, let this cup pass from me. If, there, if there's another way we can do this, that, that would be awesome. Nevertheless, I'm submitted to you. Christ who bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. Christ, our ultimate example that we should follow his steps. Shouldn't we be a people who continually live that submitted life? That having died to sin, we might live for righteousness. We must be a people who are wholly and completely submitted to Christ. Rejecting the things of the flesh that war against our very souls. Submitted to the plan and the purpose of Almighty God. Even when those plans are uncomfortable and not of our choosing. But that doesn't mean that we can't pray for the release of a prisoner. That doesn't mean that we don't speak out against social injustice. We, of all people, ought to be the ones that are speaking out against social injustice. Whether it be within our country or some foreign country, we as believers ought to lead the way in that. We as believers need to take a stand against violence. We as believers of all people ought to lead the charge in that. And as we're submitted to the plan and the purpose of God, it does not mean that we allow the gospel to be silenced. That means that even when they say, you can't say that here, that we say, you judge between God and man. But as for me, I need to follow God. And then be willing to face the consequences of that. Well, I got beat for that. I got imprisoned for that. I got, I lost my job for that. Well, let me ask you, did you lose your job because you were doing it on another man's dollar? That you were not being a good steward of another man's because you're his employee? Or is it simply because you love the Lord and you are sharing that with people in a casual conversation. There's a world of difference there, by the way. Beloved, if you and I aren't submitted, if you and I aren't living our lives radically with that understanding that God is sovereign above all things, and no matter what I go through, no matter what I'm pressed into, I still trust God, I still hold firm and fast to the faith that 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 is mine because of Christ. If you and I aren't doing that, then how in the world is a lost and dying world 
who's trying to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps anyway, who's trying to do everything in their own power to make a go of it, how are they ever going to know that the gospel is true? However, how are they going to know that God is real if God's people aren't living like it's real? See, that's why it's so important when Peter is speaking about submission, submission, wholly submitted. And I know that when we, when you and I become wholly submitted, that it can be a dangerous lifestyle. A dangerous lifestyle when we say, you know what? I am totally and wholly submitted to God. And I know that because you can ask men like Pastor Saeed in Iran, totally submitted, and yet he's imprisoned. You can ask men like James Elliott, who had such a burning desire to bring the gospel to a tribe of cannibals, that he lost his life, and a multitude of others lost their life, but others kept going and kept going and kept going until today that cannibalistic tribe are believers because men were willing to submit to God whatever the cost in their lives. Multitudes from the past and the present who literally gave up their lives to follow in his steps. Submitted life, it'll change your present and it'll change your future. The things of the world will change in value for you. You'll lose interest in the things of this culture, but you'll rise in interest for the people of this culture. What was important to you yesterday will lose all of its appeal tomorrow. Joy in your life will be found simply by obedience and faithfulness. While everything outside of that becomes meaningless. You know that it leaves you empty. You know that it leaves you still hungry. And I'm filled with the knowledge of just simple obedience and faithfulness to my Lord. And if you live that life of submission, if you live that life of kingdom living with that radical, outrageous belief in the sovereignty of God, eternity will begin to burn in your heart so much that you'll realize that you are finding yourself betwixt two worlds. Not at home in this one, and not yet in that one. Are you ready to make an outrageous commitment to trust in the sovereignty of God in your life? Count the cost. Don't, don't say, oh yeah, I'll do that, and then tomorrow something, whoa, I, I, I didn't mean it meant, I didn't know it meant that. Yeah, it, it, it means that. But beloved, I believe that's what God calls us to. I believe that's why Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. We were like sheep going astray. And even now, if, if you and I walk out of the obedience and submission to God's will and plan in our life, we, we end up the same way, like sheep going astray. The church so desperately needs to return to the shepherd and the overseer of our souls.
Standing strong in the midst of persecution is a theme throughout the New Testament. Many of the newly created churches faced opposition from the world around them and were in danger of turning away from their faith due to these confrontations. It isn't a surprise that the book of 1 Peter also addresses this subject. Peter wanted to encourage new believers and remind them of the truth they had learned, that Jesus lived and died for the salvation of every person on earth. Sadly, persecution didn't die out through the ages. The enemy is still doing his best to derail the message of the gospel. Today, we want you to be encouraged as well. As a follower of Jesus, you will face persecution sooner or later. Stand firm in your faith, leaning on Jesus' truth for your source of strength and comfort. One way you can find support and encouragement in any season of your life is by getting involved in a local church. With that in mind, Pastor David has an invitation for you. Well, I hope that today's message has encouraged you in your faith. It's given you a hunger to learn more about God. If you're in the Casa Grande area, you're looking for a church to attend, I'd be honored to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. You can find directions and service times by visiting theopenword.com and following the links to our church homepage. We welcome you to be a part of our time of worshiping our Savior and studying the words of the Bible verse by verse, growing closer to Him each week. Thanks, Pastor David, and thank you for tuning in today to The Open Word.